Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and I have episode 89 of the podcast that was originally recorded on October 20th of 2015. Some of the games I played for the week, Pathfinder Adventure Card Game, Wrath of the Righteous Organized Play, got in a little more Cthulhu Realms and Viticulture, some older games that I've played a couple of times before, Welcome to the Dungeon, a newer one called Dungeon of Fortune, and then some Russian Railroads. I also talked a little bit about Mad Max and a few of the games I want to play now. Enjoy the episode. and welcome to the games this is joe from what i'm playing now hey send us some emails let me know what you're playing now you can send those emails to what i'm playing now at gmail.com you can follow me on twitter at what i'm playing now don't forget to drop the g like i always say on facebook just do a search for what i'm playing now on google plus plus.google.com slash the plus sign what i'm playing now podcast and then of course our twitch channel which is twitch.tv slash what i'm playing now Hey, thanks for joining me this evening. Let's jump into what I'm playing now. All right, my weekly, well, my bi-weekly group met for our Pathfinder card game, Wrath of the Righteous, Adventures and Scenarios, and we got actually through three scenarios. This is one of the first times I think we've actually gotten through three scenarios. We jumped into 1-2-C, Into the Woods, 1-2-D, Assassins, and then 1-2-E. A funny thing happened on the way to the forum. So all three of these scenarios, I will say they weren't, none of them were particularly too difficult. The first one, I think, was probably the trickiest with the Demon Patrol. I think some of what we had to do to fight them were, were kind of interesting. Um, Assassins definitely wasn't too difficult at all, from what I remember. Although the world, the world wound cadres, everybody was using a lot of blessings when, blessings when we were fighting those things. It just seemed that one or two of us were just blessing the heck out of each other just to make sure that we closed all those. And then the last one, a funny thing happened on the way to the farm again, wasn't too difficult. I won't say anything in particular to ruin anything or do any spoilers or anything in, in regards to any of the storyline, but I will say that after my group was done and we had two tables going this week, a lot of us kind of stood around and were talking afterwards about what we were thinking so far of Wrath of the Righteous. And so far, a lot of us are kind of underwhelmed. As I mentioned before in a couple of podcasts, it seems that the scenario difficulties are just are just really in balance this year, it seems. It seems that we're going from one scenario being close to where everybody's dying to another scenario where we're just walking through things. And I don't know if that has to do with the composition of the group parties that we're playing in because there's, I'm not normally playing with the same people every week since we have eight to 10 people showing up. Sometimes we have a people who are one or two scenarios behind, so they're playing in a different group. So it, it seems to be unlike last season where we were doing the season of the shackles where the group was six of us from beginning to end, and it did not change the whole way. This group seems to be, since there's more of us now and we kind of have to have two tables running, it seems that we're, we're bouncing back and forth between different tables, and sometimes our group composition is a little different. So I don't know if that's what's actually causing some of the disparity between some scenarios are just kind of easier for different groups and others aren't. I don't know if that's what it is, or I'm just not too sure if a lot of some of these scenarios just aren't as balanced as some of the ones from the Season of Shackles were, so... Hopefully we're going to continue playing and not lose any people. There have been a couple of people who are talking about possibly restarting characters. There may be a couple of people that we we may just start back off at level one with a couple of them and try to get them caught up. I don't know if anybody's going to use any of the pre-gen characters that were actually listed in the book and try to just maybe start a character from there and then play through the rest of the scenarios. I know a couple of people were waiting for some of the different character decks that actually aren't out yet. I know one of the girls in our group was waiting for, I think, the Oracle deck, which is supposed to be out soon. 
Somebody else was contemplating on switching over from a thief to a monk. So there's there's just a lot of chaos right now in our Pathfinder card game adventure group. And it's crazy considering the first season was just so much different in that like I said, there was pretty much six of us who played through the whole thing and, and really enjoyed it. I'm still enjoying it. I'm playing the Paladin this time. I'm having a hell of a lot of fun with the Paladin. I can't find anything wrong with it so far. Now that I've actually gotten my cure spell and I feel like I'm actually able to assist the group a lot more, I'm learning how to play the Paladin a little more, what the strengths and weaknesses are of this character. Considering I played a Sorcerer the first time, switching over to a character that is actually has much much more things to do and is in much more heavier use of armor and weapons, whereas before I was pretty much strictly just all spells and that was the way I went with my sorcerer. This is a big change for me, so it's taken me several scenarios and I, I think now I'm getting into that comfortable feeling where I, I, I understand what my role is, I understand what locations I should be going to and where I should be at and what I'm doing. And I, I think a lot of us are actually getting to that point. But like I said, some of us in our group are just are just a little underwhelmed, I guess I should say, with the character choices that they made and how they're actually playing through this adventure and these scenarios in Wrath of the Righteous. And some of that has to do with what's being thrown at us. I know the thief in our group is trying to use a lot of poison stuff, and pretty much all the demons are immune to poison. So a lot of his strategy and the way he was trying to build his character is pretty much just completely shot down just because of all the all the immunities that these demons have when you're fighting against them. And I know that you have to be a little flexible with your characters, that you have to kind of... You can't really be prepared for every situation, but if that is the major part with his character and the demons are a huge part in Wrath of the Righteous, and it definitely seems it is then he, he's probably going to need to change. I think one of the other things we're noticing is once we received our mythic cards, as well as several of the choices that you're going to pick up from the Knights of Canabras, we're noticing that the game definitely gets a lot easier with these. Having the D20 to be able to roll is really cool. It's, it's a really nice thing that was instituted in this game, and I think is a really nice addition. The Knights, on the other hand, gives you a kind of like an extra D6 when you're fighting army characters, and I can understand the thematic sense behind that, but sometimes I almost feel like I'm rolling too many car too many dice before people are even blessing me and everything. So it's it's definitely a different mindset in playing through the Wrath of the Righteous than it was with Skull and Shackles. I'm enjoying it. I'm definitely going to stick it out. I'm going to complete the whole scenario set. I think a couple of people are already talking and looking forward to the next one that's supposed to be coming out from Paizo, so hopefully our whole group can stay together. Hopefully we actually have two groups that finish this one, and then we can start the next one with two groups going forward. That are That's my wishes. I'm kind of hoping that happens, but we will have to wait and see. All right, and then we're going to talk about a couple of other games that I've mentioned for the past couple of weeks. Cthulhu Realm seems to be a game that my wife and I have just really kind of kind of jumped into and have really gotten had a good time with so far this seems to be a game we're playing pretty much weekly on a weekly basis now since we kind of started it it's a game where we can just pull out the cards and just knock out a couple of games real quick and to us it's kind of just a light fun game that we're just enjoying with that has the deck building aspect to it i think i talked about cthulhu realms originally in episode 86 so if you're interested in how the game plays a little bit and some of my original thoughts go check out episode 86 but cthulhu realms is one that keeps making it to our table weekly and i have a few Feeling, I'll at least be just be mentioning this probably for the next several podcasts. Viticulture is another one that, as I've mentioned before, we're playing this game probably a little bit more than we should be. We actually added in the Tier 1 Tuscany expansion parts or components to the game. So we added in the four different additional pieces for the Tier 1 to the Viticulture this past weekend and played through a couple of games like that. My wife was... 
I hate to say a little overwhelmed with a couple of the items that were added in. I didn't think that adding in those four would be too bad. After she kind of watched the video of Watch It Played, she was like, yeah, let's add in those four. But once we got into the game, it just seemed that things were just a little trickier than they were before we added those in. So we're definitely going to have to play through that a couple of more times before we start adding in the Tier 2 and Tier 3 stuff. Both of us thought that we really enjoyed the additions, like the Mamas and the Papas, some of the additional advanced worker cards that were in there. We, we really liked what that Tuscany had added, so I can't wait to actually get to the new board in Tuscany, as that was how I originally learned to play, and that's what I just really want to get back to. All right, then we actually played another little game called Welcome to the Dungeon. I talked about this one in the past. It's just a small, light little filler game, a bluffing game. I actually played this down at the local game store after we were done with a game I'm going to discuss shortly, as well as playing it here with my wife. I had been wanting to teach it to my wife for quite a while, and I had finally pulled out the box the other day and started setting it up and she goes all right fine I'll learn to play this and she really wasn't in the mood and we knocked out a couple of games really quick and she just looked at me and she said that's it she goes you expect me to play that after playing viticulture she's like are you serious and so I then realized I have kind of created a monster and not that to sound snobby or anything but some of the lighter games that I actually have in my collection that we enjoyed years ago and that I still pick up every now and then thinking that we're probably going to enjoy them we may enjoy them for a little bit but I think we're getting into the part of our gaming careers where we're advancing to some heavier games and just like something with a little bit more thinking than than some of the little filler games. I have a feeling there are going to be some light games like Zombie Dice that we're always going to like and a couple other ones, but some of these periphery ones that I just pick up for giggles and stuff, sometimes I have a feeling those just might not fly too well in our table anymore. So Welcome to the Dungeon is one that I kind of enjoy. It's a nice little bluffing game trying to push yourself to see how far into the dungeon you want to make or how big you want to make the dungeon before you actually try to attempt it yourself before everybody kind of jumps out or you jump out and make somebody else go try to go through it and fight the monsters but it's a cool little game and if you're looking for something light definitely check that one out then we also played another light game and this one I can't really say a lot of good things about so Dungeon of Fortune is from the creators of Dungeon Roll. Dungeon of Fortune is extremely similar in concept to Dungeon Roll, but instead of using dice to actually go through the dungeon, you're using cards. So each character is going to have, or each person is going to have, a different character in front of them that has different abilities. My wife and I were playing this game. I can't remember what characters we were playing as right now, but she jumped out to an early lead, and it seems once you kind of jump out to an early lead in this game, I have a feeling it's going to be nearly impossible to catch up if the other person just continues to play consistently, as this is pretty much a complete push-your-luck-and-random type game. There's going to be a deck of cards in the middle of the table. One person at a time will flip over those cards, and you're going to basically take turns to see kind of how far you just want to push your luck. It's kind of, I don't want to say it's similar to Welcome to the Dungeon because there is a lot more to Dungeon of Fortune in that you can level up. You're basically going through different tiers of a dungeon as well. There are cards that have steps on them, and that will let you, if you collect enough steps, you can actually go down to lower parts of the dungeon. Lower parts of the dungeon sometimes have more reward as well as harder monsters. So you get that type of risk-reward type thing. There are also scrolls on some cards. And if you read through the rules and are wondering what to do with the scrolls, head out to BoardGameGeek, download the PDF that's out there as it's an updated rulebook, and it actually contains the rules for the scrolls. 
this was originally omitted from the actual rule book. So basically what a scroll does is the way my wife and I were playing because they only give you a small paragraph and they don't go into too much detail what the scrolls or how you actually obtain them. But the way my wife and I were playing them is if you actually defeat the monster or utilize the card like search the treasure and take a treasure, you actually get to keep that scroll then and set it next to your character card. If you actually encounter a monster or a card that you don't want to, you can remove that card along with that monster, set those into the discard pile, and then draw another card and then encounter that card. So that was kind of the way we were playing it. The little blurb that they give you in the updated rules is really vague as well. It doesn't really kind of tell you if you actually just have to draw the card and then you get to keep the scroll immediately or if you have to interact with the card or not. We kind of made the house rule. You have to interact with the card because it just seemed a little too overpowering if you just kind of flipped it over and then just took it without actually doing anything with the card and not actually experiencing it. So... I was kind of hoping for a little bit more out of Dungeon of Fortune. I was actually looking for a dungeon roll down at the store when I was down at my local game store this past week. They didn't have it in stock, so I saw Dungeon of Fortune. I said, let me pick this up. This might be a light game my wife and I may like. We'd like dungeon crawl type things. But this was kind of just like I mentioned before, possibly just a little too light for us. I also think, besides it being just a little too light, I think the randomness was just, was just a little too much for us to kind of grab a hold of. When we were playing the game... It just seemed that there was, when, when you were flipping over the cards and trying to interact with the cards, it was, it just seemed like the pusher luck component just was a little bit of too much of pusher luck. I mean, I've, we like pusher luck style games, like I've mentioned before, Zombie Dice and a couple other games that I've talked about in previous podcasts. But for some reason, this Dungeon of Fortune game just didn't grab us for some reason. Um, and I'm, I'm not 100% sure why. We played it a couple of times. We both kind of sat there after playing it several times, and we were just like, I don't know if I want to just play this one again. And we, we, like I said, we've tried it more than once, so I'll have to actually see if we ever get this one to the table again. I might try this with a couple of guys down at the game store, although I'm sure that they will probably give it the big thumbs down. So Dungeon of Fortune is one you definitely want to try out before possibly picking up. That's about the best thing I can say for this one. It doesn't seem like anything is broken with it, but it just doesn't have the meat that we're actually looking for in some of our games recently. All right, then let's jump over to something that actually was a little bit more meatier, I guess I could say. I got down to my local game store last week, and the owner had set up a game of Russian Railroads. This is a game that's a couple years old. I believe it's from Z-Man Games, one that I've actually seen down there. I've never seen anybody play. He had several copies. He's actually never seen anybody play it in the store, so he opened one up to add it to his game library down at the store, and he said the, the first thing he mentioned about the game was that how well the rules were written. He said the rules were written very well. They were laid out very intuitively. He learned the game pretty quickly, I will have to say, and I'd, I'd have to say from playing the game once, it seems like he actually taught it quite well from what I can tell, which sometimes we have a problem with down at the game store with people omitting rules when reading the rules very quickly. But it seemed like we got all of the rules pretty much on the first go through. There were four of us playing this. Everybody really enjoyed it. One guy had played before. He jumped out to a very early quick lead, and I thought for sure he was going to win, but a couple other people were able to kind of come close to him. We seemed to be fairly close pretty much until the last round where a couple of guys just flew ahead with their scoring with the way they had just built their engine and got the stuff going. It's a worker placement game that just has a lot going on on the board, I will say. There are spots where you can actually get, play your workers to get different different rails 
get different trains. You have different actions that your people can do. There's cards that there's cards like foreman that you're trying to collect. And the guy, the one guy who kind of went first, he grabbed the first foreman, then he just started grabbing them every round. Nobody else could stop him from getting those for some reason. And you can get an additional, the person that has the most foremans at the end of the games gets 40 points. Next person that has the most amount of foremans gets 20 points. So those seem to be very big scoring markers. There's a lot going on on the board besides all the foremen. You just have quite a bit that you can do on your turn. And of course, in a worker placement game, you're always going to run into the thing, into the fact of wanting to do more and not having enough workers to do them. I will say I really enjoyed Russian Railroads. I can't wait to play this game again. I think all four of us that were there really liked it. I didn't see any flaws with this game as far as as far as spots on the board or not being able to do something. There's there's just a lot of planning you got to do like with all your worker placement games and if you plan properly, you can get a lot accomplished on your turn. So, Russian Railroads is definitely one that I will say give a try to or a buy to immediately. It's being with it being a couple years old, you may have a little bit of trouble finding it maybe down at your local game store, but you may find a copy somewhere. So if you ever have a chance to play this one, definitely give Russian Railroads a try. All right, and then to end up the episode, we will end with one video game that I actually got in this past week, and that's Mad Max. Well, I guess I should say I tried to get in. I mentioned last week that I was having a map issue with my game. That has not been fixed. I sat around probably for about two hours over the weekend trying various things that I read on forums that tips that friends gave me to try to get this working again and it seemed that everything that I tried to fix this issue no matter how many people said it worked for them it would not work for me so I hit the forums out on WB and supposedly there is patch 4 coming out in the next couple of weeks I am just sidelining this game for the next couple of weeks until that patch 4 comes out hopefully it's out before Fallout 4 comes out and I can actually possibly maybe come close to finishing Mad Max before I start jumping into something else but I started playing a little Wasteland 2 over the weekend and was starting to get into that not too sure how much time I'm going to spend with that but I've kind of like kind of liking that one so far so that may be a game that I get a little bit more into all right those were the games I played for the week let's jump into what I want to play now so my anniversary was a couple of weeks ago and my wife was really great and got me Zaya Legends of Adrift system I saw this game and have been wanting this game since I've heard about it on several different podcasts. I've watched a couple of videos on it. Even though it is a three-player game, I've read on the Board Game Geek that a lot of people are playing with two-player. I see that some people have come up with variant rules for two-players. So I think my wife and I are just going to try a base game of this with just the two of us before we start throwing in any of the variant rules. I'm definitely going to take this one down to the game store. I know several people have been wanting to play this besides myself. So this is a game that not only that I not only want to play, but I know several people in my game group have been wanting to give this one a shot, and nobody seems to have gotten this one locally. So my wife was great enough to me that she picked this up for me, and I was so stoked when I got this. I start flipping through the rules the other day. I've been watching a couple of videos on the game, and the pieces and components look outstanding. The metal coins look incredible. Well, this is one that I cannot wait to get to the table, and I can't wait to give a good review on, and hopefully it's as good as I'm hyping it up to be. And then, of course, one of the other games that that I picked up a couple of weeks ago which my wife and I keep saying we're going to get to the table this weekend we're going to get to the table this weekend and that's Pandemic Legacy and it has not gotten to the table yet this weekend so I'm hoping in the next couple of days we can actually get Pandemic Legacy started and when I talk about that one I will just talk about a general gaming viewpoint of it and won't go into any of the spoilers as far as what's introduced in all of the different months in playing through the game I have been trying to avoid anything that I've seen written or 
said or stated about the game anywhere, either on Twitter, on Facebook, or on any other type of social media that I view. And so far, I've been lucky enough to where I have not had anything spoiled for me, and I'm going to try to keep it that way until I can get this one played a little bit. So that's about it. Those are the games I played for the week. Hey, as always, don't forget to send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at what I'm playing now. You can do a search on Facebook for what I'm playing now. Our Google Plus page is plus.google.com slash the plus sign what I'm playing now podcast. And then, of course, our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. Like I've mentioned the last couple of weeks in the at the end of the episode, I am participating in Extra Life for Kids this year. It's a great benefit, and I wouldn't mind some people giving a little bit more to the cause. So if you can go out to extra-life.org, do a search for Recess, that is the team that I'm on. Look for my name, Joe Luzzi, and you will see me there, and please give a nice pledge. It would be greatly appreciated, and the kids would appreciate it as well. Hey, thanks for joining me this week. Everybody, go play some games, and then let me know what you're playing now. Have a good week, everybody. Bye-bye.